Okay, so before there was Deontay Wilder and Floyd Mayweather, Vander Holyfield, Mike Tyson, and Muhammad Ali, there was Jack Johnson. This man was born actually John A. Johnson in Galveston, Texas on March 31st, 1878. And he was once considered the greatest heavyweight in the world. Before he was a boxer though, he would exercise racehorses. And after that, he was an apprentice to a carriage painter that enjoyed boxing. And it was there that he learned to box. So I didn't know this, but actually back then, boxing wasn't a sport that was accepted by many, especially in the black community. When discussing Jack, scholar Dr. Booker T. Washington said, it is unfortunate that a man with money should use it in a way to injure his own people in the eyes of those who are seeking to uplift the race and improve its conditions. But regardless of that, black folks all over the world celebrated when he knocked the F out of previously undefeated world heavyweight champion, a white man named James J. Jeffries on the 4th of July in 1910 in Reno, Nevada. That fight caused riots and deaths and fights and think pieces all across the world. But honestly, that moment was probably just a snippet into the polarizing life of Jack Johnson. He was also known to enjoy some of the finer things in life. According to the October 1976 edition of Ebony Magazine, after the fight, he quote, left Reno that night at 9.50 in a private railroad car equipped with a phonograph, piano, and buffet. It was agreed that whatever else might be said of Johnson, no one could deny he had style. But one thing that must be mentioned when one mentions the story of Jack Johnson, and this is the reason why you are gathered here today, is his love life. Like more specifically, all of the women he married and spoiler alert, Jack had an affinity for white women. So let's walk down the aisle and discuss all the many marriages and wives and wives of Jack Johnson. <laughs> Welcome to the fourth episode of I'll Tell You What. to do all runners I got some news for y'all okay but first let's start off with the formalities I'm Ashley the host of I'll tell you what and if this is your first time in the pews I'll tell you what is our weekly deep dive at some of the most epic engagements weddings and marriages that have occurred throughout black history now our trip down the aisle isn't met with malintent but actually comes from a place of nostalgia inspiration and realism so if you love black weddings black marriages and black history you are going to love it here scoot on over <laughs> And if you're watching on the tube of you, don't forget to hit that subscribe button. If you're listening wherever you get your podcasts, know that soon I'll tell you what will actually have its own feed by June so we don't have to keep clouding the Hue I Do feed. And I don't know if I actually explained this before. Well, actually, I think I recently did sorta on TikTok, but let me break this down. I'll tell you what is a part of Hue I Do, like one word Hue I Do. Now, Hue I Do, as one word, is the parent brand that houses all these different platforms that focus on black weddings and marriages. So it first started with Hue I Do, the podcast, which was a wedding planning podcast that I started with my best friend in 2019. And recently, Hue I Do, again, one word, evolved to include I'll Tell You What, and we'll hopefully include more things in the future. So that's how we made it here, Owl Runners. 
Alright, so now the news. If you missed us on TikTok, we hit 100,000 followers. Like, oh my goodness. Thank you, all of you, so much. I am truly blown away. But you know what? I want to celebrate with all of you because one, it's my birthday month, but two, this is such a huge milestone that I want to do something. And by do something, I think I want to give something away or maybe some things. Anywho, more details on that are going to be at the end of this episode. So don't forget to watch or continue to listen all the way through. Those that are enjoying this show in its fullness will definitely get the advantage over those that are just watching it or listening bit by bit on Instagram or TikTok. So one way to make sure that you catch up on all I'll tell you what news as it happens is to follow us everywhere, including Instagram, Twitter, TikTok, Facebook, and the tube of you. We're splitting up the I'll tell you what and who I do accounts everywhere. So you can either find us at at I'll tell or I'll tell you what. Of course, you can find all of those links in the notes below but also if you're into wedding planning and going through that stage of your life you're going to want to follow who I do podcast so the links to that are also in the notes below and you can show support of the podcast by grabbing some stuff off our Etsy shop think of it as you getting me something for my birthday which is in less than two weeks don't forget, you can always reach out to I'll Tell You What with any requests, comments, or thoughts by emailing us at aisle at huido.com. That is A-I-S-L-E at H-U-E-I-D-O dot C-O-M. Or you can fill out the contact form that is linked in the notes below. We are going to be discussing some sensitive language on this episode, so I am going to issue a trigger warning now, and if you have children around you, you may not want them to hear this, so just a FYI in advance. It is time to get into the very many, many marriages of Jack Johnson. Okay, so we have to start with the first woman in boxer Jack Johnson's life, Mary Austin. She was a black woman also from Galveston, and he said that, quote, as he approached manhood, his parents wanted him to get married, and they picked the nice black girl for him. But she wasn't the one he wanted. He wanted Mary Austin. Quote, Mary was a splendid woman, and I recall my life with her as one of the happiest periods of my existence. They got married in 1898 when he was 20. He would say, quote, my fortune in those days was somewhat lean, but we were devoted to each other and we were very happy, end quote. They would move to Denver and live happily until a minor dispute caused Mary to leave Jack. They rekindled their relationship to head to the West Coast, but Jack basically said that they weren't the same and would permanently separate in 1901. Though they were married for about three years, apparently there wasn't any like real record of them actually being married. But that's how Jack would introduce his lady friends. Biographer Randy Roberts said that there would be, quote, two or three Mrs. Jack Johnsons wherever he was staying. But Mary might have actually been the first Mrs. Jack Johnson. But less than a calendar year later, he'd meet the Clara Kerr. So Jack and Clara met in Philly in 1902. She was also black and, quote, again, he was happy. Though Clara was assumed to be a sex worker, she would also become the next 
quote, Mrs. Jack Johnson. He said she made him quote, greatly infatuated. She would travel with him to different cities wherever he would be fighting. Now work would take him to California where he could afford nicer and larger accommodations. During that time, he ran into a former colleague, William Bryant, and asked him to stay with them. Like, well, we got plenty of rooms, but don't worry about your lodging, stay with us. And so he did, and everything was fine until Clara and William ran away together. In his autobiography, Jack said he didn't know that they were secretly planning to escape with all of his clothes and personal property during a night when he was boxing. So this made him feel all sorts of ways, as you can imagine, and he was determined to quote, not let her get away from me. So that began his cross-country pursuit of finding Clara and William. He found them in Arizona and convinced her to leave William and go back to Chicago with him. And she did. Now, at this time, his money was a little bit tighter than it was when they were in Cali. He said they lived modestly until one day he came home and found all of her stuff was gone, but also what little savings they had together was also gone. He went looking for her again, but as DJ Paul said, don't save her. She don't want to be saved. He would not be able to locate Clara, and this would make him spiral. He sunk into a depression and drank a lot and stopped eating and just gambled. Like, like he was truly down bad, okay? And according to his friend and former sparring partner, Charles Horner, Jack's story wasn't really the truth. He said that Jack basically propositioned to be Clara's pimp and that they stayed together until Jack got more successful and then turned to white women. Now I can't confirm if that's true or not, since allegedly Jack let the women in his lives keep their earnings, something a normal pimp wouldn't do, right? I guess. I don't know. He said he wouldn't hear about Clara until years later when he was married. He would one day read in the paper that she'd been charged with the murder of her brother. He went to visit her in prison with his wife and got her a decent lawyer. She was acquitted of the charge and Jack would get her a hotel to manage in the years afterwards when she was a free woman. But ultimately, by getting his heart broken by two black women consecutively, he would go on to say the following. Quote, the heartaches which Mary Austin and Clara Kerr had caused me led me to forswear colored women and to determine that my lot henceforth would be cast only with white women. Basically, because two black women hurt his feelings, he decided to find companionship with white women moving forward. Okay. So the next woman he would be with would be a woman named Hattie McClay. And as I just mentioned, he's not dating black women anymore. So this Hattie is actually white. But you know what? Before we dive into all of that, let's take a quick break. Jack's marriages to his black first wife Mary and black second wife Clara ended, he met Hattie. Now when Jack met Hattie, his career was on the rise. He'd just come back from a three-month stint in Australia and on August 8th, 1907, he met Anna Peterson, a sex worker who went by the name Hattie McClay. Now she was a girl from New York of Irish descent. Her father funded Jack's boxing trip in Europe and she would travel with Jack frequently. Now, according to Jack, Hattie was a drunk. Well, I mean, she liked to overindulge in beer and this would cause them to have several arguments and one would actually lead to the end of their relationship. 
sort of. He said she would try to sneak the beer into their home and he would come across empty bottles hidden under the bed. But after the relationship with Hattie ended, there was Belle Schreiber. Now Belle was a girl from Milwaukee that was the daughter of a cop. They met in March 1909 when Belle worked at a bordello in Chicago called the Everly Club. He convinced a few girls from the club to go riding with him and Belle was one of the Lucite honey dips that went with him. Now because of this minute ride along and because she obviously slept with him, the madams of the club fired her. But that was fine with Belle because at that moment she became his favorite and would go along with Jack on his trips all across the country. Now one time Jack and Belle went to San Francisco because he was going to fight Stanley Ketchell aka the Michigan assassin. And while in California, Jack was staying in a hotel with Belle. But guess who was also staying at this hotel? Hattie. Yeah, Hattie wanted that old thing back and so she went to San Francisco to try to convince Jack that they should reconcile. Now he said she would watch the door of his room basically to see who was coming in and out. So to avoid some confrontation that was obviously going to happen between Hattie and Bill, he would leave the room by a rope that was hanging out the window like on some Bugs Bunny stuff. So then that fall, once they got back in New York, Jack met Etta Durier, a French-American from Brooklyn. They actually met while attending the Vanderbilt Cup car race in Long Island. She was a quote society woman or a socialite but also a sporting woman so I guess that's kind of like an escort, sex worker, a woman of the day, a woman of the night, something in those spaces. But she was different because she dressed well, she played the piano, she sang, she was also recently separated from her ex-husband. And while very beautiful in the eyes of the white beholders that wrote a lot of early publications about her and Jack, she was also one that struggled with her mental health. She quickly became the favorite, which meant that Belle got second or third dibs because Hattie was still hanging around. This meant, beyond the obvious, that the jewelry Jack would give out as gifts went to Etta first and then maybe Bill and then if anything was left it would go to Hattie. Anyway, I'm imagining that this caused a riff in the relationship between Bill and Jack because after they got back to the East Coast they officially broke up. So with Bill out of the picture, Etta was the chosen one. But before I tell you about Etta and Jack because there is so much to tell you about them, we need to take a quick break. So boxer Jack Johnson said that he married socialite Etta Durier in 1909. Well, he said 1909, others say 1910, but either way, they got married in Pittsburgh. Now, according to some, 1909 was also the year where Jack began to feel himself more. Like apparently he was buying fashion clothes, he was stunting on these okay and doing so while having a white woman in tow like these people were heated you hear me how dare this black man find joy in these waxen vixens like all his favorites Edna would also travel with jack across the world he said upon their return to the united states he opened a cabaret and Edna helped him run it Etta also accompanied him to Reno when he fought and beat the daylights out of James Jeffries, the Great White Hope. 
Now when she entered the arena, there were whispers throughout the crowd and some men stood on chairs just to get a glimpse at her. Now it seems that when Jack had his favorites, he imagined that they must be wildly loyal to him and only him, unlike how he would be to them. So in December 1910, he accused Etta of cheating on him with his chauffeur, this French man named Gaston Lefort. Now on Christmas, he would beat her so badly that she had to go to the hospital. Now they got back together and if anyone asked about her bruises, she would just say it came from falling off of a streetcar. Now around this time, he actually still was communicating with Belle and helped her set up her own brothel by paying for the rent and furniture. She also announced that she was pregnant and one was to assume it was Jack's child. Now Jack was actually happy about this news, but because of Belle's line of work, she is assumed to have had an abortion. Now, Etta wasn't exactly thrilled to have to share Jack, and I can imagine as someone that was struggling with their mental health that that was even harder to deal with. But it was probably some sort of reality that she somewhat came to terms with, right? Now, while possibly dealing with the many layers of being Mrs. Jack Johnson, but actually she really was Mrs. Jack Johnson, something would happen and Etta's disposition would change. Tragedy struck in her family in January 1912. After learning that her father passed away, someone that was once a cheerful and happy person became despondent, according to Jack. He said that Etta and her dad had a really close relationship and Jack just assumed that after, you know, a brief period of mourning, she would be back to how she was before. But months would go by and Etta would actually try to unalive herself twice, but would be unsuccessful. So shortly after that, on September 11th, 1912, Etta and Jack had some friends come into town. This cheered Etta up and the two of them enjoyed the company of their people. Now the plan was to accompany them by train to their next destination, which was Vegas as a quick vacation, right? But when it came time to go to the train station, Etta stayed back because she said she had a headache. Jack went with their friends to the train station to bid them adieu. And upon his return back to their apartment, he saw people, cops, emergency personnel, just folks all over the place outside of his building. He said he, quote, experienced a chill that almost numbed him. He gets to the apartment and sees Etta on the floor with her long hair covering her face next to a revolver. And when he picked her up, he saw the hole in her head. She would be declared dead a few hours later at Provident Hospital. Jack said, quote, this tragic event laid me low, quote, though some assumed her side of Sue was due to his infidelity. He shut down the cabaret because he didn't feel like it was right to continue it on without Etta. He also took a temporary hiatus in boxing as he had no desire for anything once she was gone. Now let's take a quick break because I definitely have a few more of Jack Johnson's wives to tell you all about. Okay, so to all of my Atlanta and surrounding area aisle runners, Desserts by Dion is your one-stop shop for dessert needs because no event is complete without a cake, cupcakes, and treats. Now Desserts by Dion not only offers custom cakes, but also treat packages allowing you to personalize and customize. Packages start at $225 and come with your choice of cake and cupcakes or chocolate covered treat combinations. Now if that package is too much, they also offer items by the dozen as well as occasionally providing sales, such as this exclusive for aisle runners only. So all you have to do is mention 
using code ATYW for $50 off of your order of $150 or more. Trust me, it is worth it. Visit them on Instagram at DesertsByDion or email them at DesertsByDion at iCloud.com to inquire before this deal expires. That is D-E-S-S-E-R-T-S-B-Y-D-I-O-N-N-E. So again, don't forget to mention that code ATYW for $50 off your purchase of $150 or more. And trust me, I will say this a hundred times, it is so worth it. I put that on everything. So let's get back to the show. Okay, so we're back. Now I believe we've already discussed four of Boxer Jack Johnson's wives where actually only one of them was his actual wife. But now we need to talk about his next. So several months before Jack's first real wife, Etta Durier, passed away from the side of Sue, 34-year-old Jack would meet 18-year-old Lucille Cameron. He would be introduced to her by a colleague after sharing that he needed someone to help with his business affairs. Now he hired Lucille to be his secretary, though previously she was a lady of the night. Jack swears that she was actually never his lady and folks speculated otherwise, especially because they were seen out and about with her arm wrapped all around him less than a month after Etta's fune. So a news reporter once came to his house looking for her only to find that she didn't live there at all. But instead, she stayed at the home of a fight promoter, Jack Curley. Now, apparently, according to Jack, the news reporter sent a telegram to Lucille's mom, Mrs. Cameron Falconet, in Minnesota saying that indeed, Jack and Lucille not only go together, but they shacking up too. So Lucille's mama was heated, of course, and brought herself to Jack's home. She demanded to see her daughter, which Jack basically said, I could take you to the house where she's staying because she does not live here. So Mrs. Cameron Falconette was like, okay, fine, take me. So on the way, she threatened to draw the curtains on the car. And Jack was like, that's going to make this worse because everybody knows this is my car. And with the curtains drawn, it's going to arouse suspicion. So then she decided not to. But soon after that, they would arrive to Jack's home, the other Jack, and that is where Lucille was. Now, Jack said he left them alone to talk amongst themselves, but actually what came about that was way worse. Now, her mom went to the cops, and soon after, warrants were out for the rest of both Jack and Lucille. Her mom claimed that Lucille was kidnapped by Jack, so he was charged for abduction or violating the Man Act. Mrs. Cameron Falconette said, quote, Jack Johnson has hypnotic powers and he has exercised them on my little girl. I would rather see my daughter spend the rest of her life in an insane asylum than see her as the plaything of a... Yeah, she said that word. I'm pretty sure as she said that she was crying, but no tears were coming out. You know what I'm saying? You, you know those tears? Okay, so Lucille was then placed on house arrest in a hotel. Now, there wasn't actually any evidence that Jack did anything wrong, so the charges against him were dropped. Lucille would then sneak out of the hotel and go to Jack and propose to him. Yes, this translucent Lucy was like she hated her life growing up because she had this helicopter parent and felt like she needed freedom. And by marrying Jack, she would get the freedom she craved. Now, Jack said no, but to help her out, however, he would do what he could. And so he would send her to Toronto and she would go and then come back only to propose to Man Man Johnson all over again. 
again and he at that point was like all right let's do it so on December 4th 1912 less than three months after Etta his former wife unalived herself they got married but before they got married let's go back a few months to October of 1912 actually October 18th to be precise Jack was charged again for violating the Mann Act. Let me explain what the Mann Act actually is. On June 25th, 1910, the Mann Act, or as it was commonly known, the White Slave Traffic Act was passed. Now, according to PBS, the Mann Act, quote, made it a crime to transport women across state lines for the purpose of prostitution or debauchery or any other immoral purpose. While designed to combat forced prostitution, the law was so broadly worded that courts held it to criminalize many forms of consensual sexual activity. Basically, this law came about because as white women began to work and move away from home, they realized that they did not have to just date and marry the white man that they grew up with, but that there was a whole world of people, black, brown, and otherwise available to them. And naturally, folks was mad. Some speculated, including Jet Magazine in 1963, that Jack married Lucille so she wouldn't testify against him. And after the first charge was dropped, the assistant U.S. District Attorney attorney Harry A. Parkin went to look for another woman that Jack might have traveled with. Now this led him to Belle Schreiber. Yes, Jack's ex-wife. Belle was still pissed off at how their relationship ended so she was ready to spill it all. Now when the federal grand jury was investigating this matter they also came across Jack Curley the one that was letting Lucille stay with him. He basically said that Lucille and Jack came to his home twice insinuating that she wasn't staying with him this whole time. Now many people that came into Jack's life were questioned including some of his former girlfriends and wives. And on November 7th 1912 Jack was arrested his bail was set for $30,000 and it took him about a week to get out the trial began in May of 1913 and Bell came forward as the primary witness Bell showed out she shared that she didn't love Jack she said that quote the reasons I associated with him were mostly financial because I could get lots of clothes and some jewelry from him. She also said that he rented and furnished an apartment for her that was also used as a brothel. Now in the courtroom of Judge Kennesaw Mountain Landis, yes that really was his real name and he would actually go on to be the first commissioner of baseball. In his courtroom an all-white jury didn't even deliberate for two hours before finding Jack to be guilty to all seven counts. Are you you surprised? So on June 4th, 1913, he was sentenced to a year and one day in federal prison and fined $1,000. Now today that $1,000 would be about $31,000. So he tried escaping to Michigan with Lucille, but federal agents found out and escorted him back to Chicago. But Jack wasn't going to let that hold him back. He planned another escape with a little bit of help from a black baseball team and made it on a train undetected. He made it to Hamilton, Ontario, and then met Lucille in Toronto and then they boarded another train to Montreal and then got on a boat to Paris and once they arrived that would begin a seven-year exile where he and Lucille would bop all around Europe, South America, and Mexico as he would take on different boxing and entertainment engagements. But in July 1920 he would return to the United States and surrender and begin to serve his sentence by September of that year. He would get out of prison less than a year later on July 9th 1920. 21. About four years later, Jack said that his marriage began to crumble as if there were quote, 
echoes of the old wrath of his mother-in-law. Lucille would file for divorce after 12 years of marriage due to an uncontested charge of infidelity. But as Jack put it, quote, another romance had come to a sudden end. In his autobiography, he would also reflect on the marriage fondly saying that, quote, she had been in my life longer than any other woman and had enjoyed with me some of my greatest triumphs and suffered with me some of my greatest hardships and sorrows. She was always loyal and steadfast and she possessed a pluck and courage that enabled her to stand up bravely under many arduous experiences. Now, after Lucille, Jack would actually marry one more time. So let's take a quick break and we'll get straight into that. All right. So now I have to tell you about Irene Pignot. So the same year the divorce between Lucille and Jack was finalized, he would meet Irene Pignot and Helen Matthews in Illinois at a racetrack. Now Irene was still married, but these two would soon begin to date Jack. After Irene's divorce was finalized the following February, she became Jack's favorite. They got married in August 1925 in Waukegan, Illinois. Now, by the time he penned his autobiography, they had been married for about two years. In the book, he mentioned her by saying, quote, she possesses, besides her feminine charm and grace, an unusual intellect. And at the present time, I am happier than I have ever been in my whole life. I have every reason to believe that our love and happiness, which binds our lives together, is lasting. Now, he might have been telling the truth because they would be together for over 20 years. They, of course, would also travel together. In 1932, they went to Europe and he briefly entertained opening a boxing school in Germany until Hitler took control in January of 1933. But everything would change come June 10th, 1946. After leaving a diner that refused to serve him and his friend, he angrily drove off and his car hit a telegraph pole. His friend survived, but sadly, Jack would pass away later on that day at St. Agnes Hospital in Raleigh, North Carolina. Irene would bury him at Northside Chicago Graceland Cemetery next to his first wife, Etta Durye. At the funeral, when asked what did she love about him, she said, quote, I loved him because of his courage. He faced the world unafraid. There wasn't anybody or anything he feared. Now, Irene would live for another 45 years and would not marry and would pass away on January 13th, 1992. And that, my friends, wraps up the very, very lengthy story on Jack Johnson and his many wives and wives. All right, so just another reminder, Owl Runners, to send over your wedding or wedding-related photos so we can start showing them off on Show Nups. Now, I mentioned before, but Show Nups is a segment that I will start in June where I show off and talk about some of your wedding moments. We get to see all of these lovely things that have happened in your lives, Owl Runners. Like, come on, we need to see each other, know each other. We are family, right? So all you have to do to send over your photos is head to the link in the notes below, fill out the form, upload the pictures, and you might just see yourself on an upcoming episode of I'll Tell You What. We are going to start this next month, so I can't wait to see 
all of y'all, okay? So I mentioned at the beginning of the episode that I want to celebrate with y'all my birthday and hitting 100,000 followers on TikTok. So what we are going to do is have a giveaway. I'm going to give you a teaser this week and more details next week. So basically, now you need to tell me in the comments later, who was Jack Johnson's second wife? I don't mean second legal wife. I mean his second wife that I mentioned. Who was she? I'm going to ask you for that information. So you are going to have to tell it to me. But anyway, you'll get more details then. Hold on to that little chunk of information because I'm not going to mention it next week, okay? If you have any questions, comments, or requests about I'll Tell You What, just complete the contact form in the notes below or email I'll Tell You What at aisle at huido.com. That is A-I-S-L-E at H-U-E-I-D-O dot com. And if you're planning your wedding or getting close to that stage of life, don't forget to listen and follow Who I Do podcast. I'll also drop the links to where you can find Who I Do in the show notes below. Don't forget to leave a review if you've been enjoying I'll Tell You What the podcast and please follow us everywhere you can. Again, the links to follow us are in the notes below. So we'll truly, truly appreciate it. And if you're watching on the tube of you, I highly suggest you subscribe, but not only subscribe, you make sure that the notifications are on. So every time new content drops on here, you see it first. All right. Now, you can also help me celebrate my birthday because I've mentioned it several times and my birthday is coming up by heading to the Etsy and getting some merch. So new pieces are dropping weekly. So always go back and check that out. Like I want you to know, say if you buy a sticker, that's probably going to help pay for like one newspaper subscription. And if two of you buy a shirt, that actually covers one month subscription of photos regardless. I am just forever grateful however you choose to support. And for whatever reason, if you want to follow me, Ashley, you can follow me at Demitosh on Instagram, Twitter, and TikTok. That is D-E-M-I-T-A-S-H-E because Demitosh is a little cup. My last name is Coffee and my name is Ashley, so Demitosh. Yeah. All right. So don't forget to come back next week, friends, Owl Runners, people, cousins, fam, for, of course, another episode of I'll Tell You What, brought to you by Who I Do. See you in the pews. Bye.